perspective as the native audience a program where we discuss what films get right what they get wrong and how we apply the red gaze to what could have been hello everybody out there in listening land hey (laughs) (laughs) my name is cheryl carey i'm your host from the sacred pipe resource center and we are here on the red gaze taking on the star quilt movie la bamba (laughs) (laughs) we're here with the regular drum group our uh guest host mariah crow eagle Hello, hello. Our guest host, Ben Nils Landing. Hey, what's up? Hey, you had a close call last night. I'm glad you're with us today. (laughs) Our Gen Z. Hello, hello. Zoe Landon and Marley Finns. Hello. All right, so let's take on this Star Quilt movie, this classic that you'll find VHS tape (laughs) in every native household. Uh, La Bamba, it's the biographical story of the rise from nowhere of early rock and roll singer Richie Valens, who died at age 17 in a plane crash with Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper. The film got a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb and 82% in Rotten Tomatoes. The writer and director was Luis Valdez. All right, what'd you guys find? I guess one of the like tidbits I found was that the house that Richie bought his mother in the movie is actually directly across the street from the house that the real-life Richie Valens bought for his mom in real life. What? So it's across the street, same neighborhood. So I don't oh, know if it was nice. a coincidence or if they planned it, but I thought that was a neat little fact I found. And she was in the movie, too. The mother? Yeah. In like the... Oh, yeah, I saw that. That was cool. Yeah, she was in the film where... Okay, what part? She was in that Christmas party where, remember, where yeah, the party. Bob's doing where the, he's the little vampire yeah, thing. Coke. Yeah, he's hiding in his coat. She's actually sitting on the couch and she's looking at Richie. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so that was his real life. That was Connie. Oh, yeah. I remember reading, too, that the mother and I think his sister were always coming to set during the, yeah. re- during the recordings of it. So, yeah, that would make sense that she weaseled into a scene. <laughs> And in the like one of the I guess the plane crash scene, they were telling them like don't come, you know, this we're doing this scene and I guess when the the sister didn't, you know, really listen, she just ignored it and she went it must have like a flashback or a trigger or something. Yeah. She was like, No, don't go on the plane, you know, just kinda like oh, yeah, made yeah. them she all broke sad. down like during the scene when they were doing it for the coin toss. Oh, that would be so sad. Right. Don't fly to North Dakota. <laughs> 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 what the heck? You might die. <laughs> you might die. <laughs> hey, did you find anything, Mark? Um, just that the actor for Bob and the actor for Richie, or they both auditioned for the other one. The other here, they ended up. I think they did it perfect. <laughs> you know, I can't oh, picture. Yeah. Richie was supposed to be Bob, yeah. and Bob was supposed to be Richie. <laughs> I can't see that. Oh, I can't even imagine. But later on in life, you know, Richie did become Bob, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Bob settled down and became right. Richie. <laughs> I read like a the script. It was supposed to. I think it was supposed to be more based on Bob's life than it was for Richie. I think. 
but it, I mean, obviously, it's all about. I, I guess it goes back and forth, but it's mainly it's about the Richie. main <laughs> is about Richie. What about me? <laughs> what about me? Bob, what about I also want to say I think that Bob, the ca- the guy, he aged really well. <laughs> <laughs> he looks good. <laughs> well, the real life Bob or the character that the, or the actor that the portrayed actor. him. Oh, Isai. Yeah, Isai Morales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a good Bob. Yeah, in he's show. still acting. I saw him on a show the other day, How to Get Away with Murder. I mean, he doesn't look the same. He, he, he still looks good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so one of the things I found is the writer-director, uh, Luis Valdez, is actually Latino. And I think that was one of the things that made this film as good as it was. They stuck true to the story the way it was supposed to be made. And I found this statement that, that he made. The studio executives... We're trying to make a whole different film. They were trying to make Richie like kind of like a gang member, I guess, and trying to make him real hard. And the family and the writer director and the the guy who was re- the real life Babo or whatever the his the producer. producer, yeah, his producer kind of fought back. They all said Richie wasn't like that. He was a really nice kid, and he was re- he was a real gentleman. But the the executives were trying to make it uh, once again stereotypes. So here's what the director said. We all live ordinary lives. We don't have to be gang members. We don't have to be criminals. We don't have to be drug addicts. We can be normal people that go to the shopping centers and buy food and clothes for our kids and just send them to school. We have the life that is represented in all the movies that deal with white people, but they get the whole range. Minorities don't. We get locked into stereotypes, and the more violent and exotic and the stranger it is, supposedly the more commercial. That's a lie. And I thought that was really good of him to say that because that's the same thing that we talk about here on the Red Gaze a lot is that it's like, oh, they have to make us exotic and they have to make us savages and they have to make us historical and drunks and all these mystical, (laughs) yeah, all these these, um, stereotypes. And it's like you were saying, Marley, can't they just make a contemporary movie with us in it, you know, and we're just doing like regular things? (laughs) But it's kind of interesting to note that it's like we're not the only minority group that that happens to they were definitely trying to do that with this film here and make make richie kind of this gangbanger too <laughs> which is crazy i wouldn't be able to picture him being a gangbanger the way he is portrayed in this show that's the way i just picture richie whenever i think of him as a just a kind-hearted guy like a good boy yeah because yeah. he was he was just a little kid yep we uh we're, we're calling this movie the star quilt movie what do, what do you guys think what makes this a star quilt movie bob we have that that Bob in our family. <laughs> Bob, yeah. <laughs> also, I, yeah. Also, I just think their family, their relationship, like their family it's dynamic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. definitely. We can relate to that. Yeah, because yeah. every family has a Rosie, <laughs> a Connie, <laughs> and the little nieces and all the little yep. cousins and nephews yep. yeah, hanging out. Into them. <laughs> It gave like a really strong family vibe, yeah. and you just know that that's how it is, and like in our, our culture, culture too. Yeah. Like you know, family is family, like strong, and you can see their bonds, especially just how like when Richie and Bob scrapped it out and acted like nothing happened, like afterwards, <laughs> you know, like or like they're all supportive too. They go all like all the little sisters and cousins that go watch him play his first little over his song mm-hmm. or his first little show at that mm-hmm. garage. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're all sitting mm-hmm. outside. And they get all like the neighborhood, the family, they got everybody going out trying to like get the word out. Yeah. This is a star quote film for me because in the first 
30 seconds of the film, Bob's driving up, and they get a shot of his hand with that little tattoo right in the, the yeah, by the <laughs> in between in your thumb and your pointer finger. And yeah. I don't know, too many natives. <laughs> Right. They grew up on the res that don't want to, or have at least something, yeah, that have that tattoo. So it was made in their friend's garage yep, or something. It was a homemade tattoo. Their very first, <laughs> yeah. their very, very first attempt at making a tattoo. Zoe, and that was it. Zoe has one. Oh, some stick and pokes. <laughs> I have one. <laughs> Immediately made it a Starquill film. First scene. We all have those first tattoos. Scene. First scene. The credits were still rolling. Yeah, the opening credits. Oh my god, <laughs> felt at home. Research-wise, one other piece of information I found was that um, when they were planning to take off in the airplane, um, Buddy Holly was chartering the plane, and um, Big Bopper and Waylon Jennings were were like was between those two for the final seat, and then Waylon Jennings ended up getting the odd man out. Buddy Holly said, "Hope you freeze on that plane." Then Waylon Jennings said, I hope your plane crashes. Yeah. And then he said he 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 lived with that for the rest of his life. He was, like, really depressed over that. I remember seeing that online, too. I was like, man, imagine saying that and then the plane really crashes. Mm -hmm. Having to live with that for all those years. That's why you can't fly to North Dakota. (laughs) 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 All right, well, let's let's, uh, move into our feathers then. Our very first uh, feather is our fancy dancer feather for the best scene. What stole the show, guys? Well, I guess one of my favorite scenes is when Richie Valens, his mom, books the VFW club for her. So she has he has his first like concert directly focused on him, but then Bob comes in and ruins the whole thing. <laughs> That's my favorite too. He comes, yeah, he comes in all drunk. She takes that bottle from him too, and he like pulls his hands away. And, and he's running, he's like hey. shouldering everybody. Yeah, bumping it, cutting in between them when they're dancing. He's even going like, woo! Yeah. <laughs> he's like, that's my brother. Oh man. Then, Got all his rough friends. Too. Yeah. Bottle of scrubs. They all showed up. Just break the whole concert down, and then at the end of it too, he has the audacity. Well, his his mom confronts him. How could you do this to Richie? And he's like, "To Richie, I did this to me." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was my favorite scene because it just shows you the contrast between Richie and Bob. Yeah, <laughs> they even had a chick fight in there too. Yeah. Yeah. Chicks are fighting. Breaking chairs and everything. I know yeah. they're breaking chairs. Oh, kind of funny about that part too is like right before Bob comes in. Richie's going to say, like, well, here's a song that goes out to the criminal element in the group. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and he walked right in. He walked right in. All <laughs> cheesy. <laughs> That's my song. Um, the, the other part I like is when him and Bob play at that bar. And they sing, uh, what is that song that they sing? Oh, yeah, um, something. All My Love, All yeah. My Kisses. Yeah. yeah, I like that. And oh, then yeah. they're uh, at the guy at first, the manager, he's like, I don't think, you know, this is a country bar. No one's going to want to listen to their music and then they start playing and Bob has to like figure out the drums on the fly and then everybody starts dancing I, I really like that part too and then the next day remember he's playing that his drum on his uh, beer, can beer can right can. now right at breakfast he the beer can <laughs> right at breakfast his Budweiser but Rosie walks in good morning Connie good morning Richie doesn't say anything to Bob <laughs> ignores Bob one of my favorite scenes is when they're in like the basement and Bob's showing, you know, Richie all his drawings and stuff. Because throughout the film, you always see like Bob's envious of 
Richie or Richie's envious of Bob, you never see, you know, siblings. So, like, when Bob's showing him, like, his little Oswald, you know, the duck or whatever it was character. And that was one of my favorite scenes because it, you just show that, you know, they were siblings and how much they really liked each other. But I always thought that was crazy mm -hmm. that it turned into Mickey Mouse later on. <laughs> <laughs> I really, yeah, I think I really like that too. Like, especially like, you know, he's calling and you could tell that, or when um, Richie's calling Bob and he's like struggling and like, that's like his first thought is like, I need Bob with me right now. Like, he's just like, you know, come oh, out yeah. here. You know, I, you know, I need you. And he's like, are you doing okay? And he's like, like, again, like, no matter how much you go through that. You always you, fight with your siblings. You're always going to have those, like, especially any type of family, you know, or friends that are like family too. It's just, you can always go back and know that in the back of your mind, you still have that person. And I think Bob was also like one of Richie's anchors when he was going through stuff too. And like, I really yeah. like that. They know they got in a fight at Christmas right before that, remember? <laughs> or how about when he takes him to his, the first, uh, he go, they go to Mexico. You know? oh, Richie's yeah. only 17. Wakes up with a tattoo and everything. <laughs> hungover, tattoo. They went and seen all those girls. But remember he was getting mad at him, though, because he was more interested in, in the music, the music <laughs> instead of the women. Or you say, well, hell, pick two. It's all me. <laughs> Ease. Everybody's got that uncle. He's a mystery. The best scene I like, they're watching the silhouettes at the band and they won't let Richie sing, you know. He's just kind of playing in the background and he, yeah. and, he, and he ends the night and he doesn't get to sing and he comes back over and then his mom's like, who the bleep do they think they're dealing with? My granddaddy was a full-blooded yaki Indian. <laughs> <laughs> she gets all mad. That's when she goes and gets that um, BFW holler. When I was like, yeet. <laughs> That's just like those moms that the basketball games. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll start your own team. We'll, we'll get you your own team. <laughs> Let's move on to the sneak up feather. Obviously, Bob is my best secondary character. Mm -hmm. You could almost give him almost every feather. But yeah, I went with Bob because he had so much interest into the movie, I thought, because like his lines, he has so many classic lines, so many classic scenes. It's just a... Uh, Say that stole the show. <laughs> yeah, he's. I think he's my favorite too. He's funny. You know, he knows how to be serious. Or he plays that brother. No that, filter. Yeah, he yeah. plays that brother, that uncle that like you love, but you also like. Just fine. Man, I hope they ain't gonna come. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody invite them. <laughs> but they show up anyway, <laughs> and you don't know if they're gonna have a good time or yeah. a bad time. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's a good point. My, I would say mine would have to be Rosie. Because we always say, oh, we all have that uncle. But we always have that aunt, you know. But I always laugh at Rosie because um, my grandpa used to really like this film. There's that scene where the mom, Connie's getting ready for work. Rosie, you know, is getting up and she comes out of the trailer and she walks into the house. And she's putting on her apron and she looks at the dishes and she goes, oh, you know, she kind of yeah. sighs. Like, oh, you know, like, but, you know, she gets it started. And I always laugh at that scene because... Me and my grandpa were sitting down, we were watching this film, and my aunt is uh, sitting beside us, and she just, you know, happened to come sit down and watch the film, and she just goes, oh, I'm just like Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> whatever, where's Bob then? <laughs> <laughs> so I always laugh at that, but I think Rosie was a good character too, like to mm -hmm. have, you know, just too bad she picked the wrong one. <laughs> oh, yeah. She should have stayed with Richie. <laughs> one of those scenes, too, where 
it was at the VFW club where he's Richie's getting ready, like mm-hmm. adjusting his tie, and she's like, God, I can't remember the line she said something about she wanted. Um, you're getting all dressed up. Who are you getting dressed up for? And he's like, Oh, nobody you'd know. (laughs) (laughs) Shot her down. (laughs) The way she took off, they took off on that uh, motorcycle too when she jumped in with Bob. Oh, in the beginning? Yeah, I remember the guy was like, Where are you going? And he just revs his head. Left her dad and left her family and left everybody for Bob. (laughs) She didn't even even pack a Walmart bag of clothes or nothing. (laughs) It's all with the same, same clothes. I guess in real life, they were married for like 18 years. Bob yeah. and Rosie oh, really? were married for a really long time. Good for them. You know, <laughs> they, they tried. <laughs> I had Connie because I, I, I think she, you know, like we were saying, like she's she's a real life native mom. Like she's just mm-hmm. like really fiercely defends her kids. And I'll put this out there. All them native moms that have that favorite too, you know, yeah. and they create that little drama. <laughs> I think she just brings that element to it because she's always like a part of his life and a part of, you know, trying to navigate things with Rosie and Bob and mm-hmm. and that scene when she's remember when Bob comes and he's trying to see his daughter. Yeah. <laughs> like, how many times has that scene played out in households? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "Go pass out." <laughs> Drunk in the middle of the night. So bad her back. too, because her son's just right there in the backyard in in that trailer. Yeah. yeah. Gotta gotta give some props to Connie. Yeah, and then like uh, also with that too, props to Connie for like, you know, you're always gonna have those like things with your children, but there's. She she'll always like be there for Bob too. Like there's no way around it and she knows like how he is and that he has his problems and But she still tries to encourage yeah. him. Too. Oh yeah. And she that. understands and like tries to like you know, he's taking steps, he's trying to be sober, but then just he drank, but <laughs> <laughs> Well they're excited when he won that. Well that art prize. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was just art supplies. Yeah. It wasn't money. <laughs> oh one thing about her too is when they were first preparing for Richie's first concert. She, she took on the endeavor of drawing those paintings for his concert. Bob walks in, what are you guys doing? She's like, show business. She said she's all proud of them. <laughs> all funny they, these look like S, he oh, said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then he got stuck with the, yeah. the drawings. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's move on to our next feather, which is the name moment. Well, <laughs> the one I picked was, it's hard to say this is a name moment because this is like actual real life true story. Right. But I put what I put was that Richie chooses a white girl. Yeah. <laughs> that was my name moment, but I mean, it's actually really happened. So I was like, well. yeah. yeah. I had a name moment, but it's actually from real life too. So I was while I was doing the research for this, I found this thing. I said like, while it's stated in the film that Steve Richie's dad drank himself to death, the real Steve died from lifelong complications after coming into contact with mustard gas during World War One. They just added mm-hmm. that into the film. So it kind of got me mad because it is again like the producers Stereotype. or the executives wanted to stereotype. In the film, you know, she says, she tells that the, guy, bar, the, owner. Guy, the bar owner, he drank himself to death in here. And again, just kind of reinforcing a stereotype. Why and can't they say that? Yeah, why couldn't they have said that? Why That just <laughs> that just blew my mind when I saw that. Why they got to do that in these films? Right. You know, that doesn't even make sense. Unnecessary. All right. I'm not even, I, I know what everybody's going to say, but I'm going to ask the question anyway, because it's our feather. <laughs> Who could handle your auntie or your uncle? Let's just say, besides Bob. (laughs) Everybody's going to say Bob. I would say Rosie then, because she had to put up with Bob. (laughs) I had to put Bob, because of course, that's just a given. But the reason I picked him, because of one 
particular scene when he was feeding a bunny rabbit tequila. He was dipping like that piece of grass in his tequila <laughs> bottle and he was feeding it to the bunny rabbit. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, so let's move to scene 86. Which what scene do you think is probably the worst scene? And I wouldn't say it's like the worst scene, but a scene that like just kind of like made me feel unsettled and just like oh like because it's it's true. I mean it, things like that happen, but when um, Richie and Bob were talking and then Bob was like, "Well, I almost had to rape her just to have sex with her." It was just like oof, like and you could just tell like things like that happen, but like it uh, just hurt my heart knowing that I not the worst scene like. That was a cringy, yeah. cringy, yeah. cringy. It was like, yeah, it really cringy. was just like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just couldn't, I didn't even like that part. Even like the whole relationship between Bob and Rosie, you know, when they were fighting and With all that friends stuff. friends and stuff. Yeah, you know, over. like, I think all those scenes could have been put out. Because like we say, you know, we put, we watch movies like this, you know, you look at movies like, you know, white film movies. They don't really have those scenes in there where... Yeah you know, the mom and dad or whatever, the boyfriend and girlfriend are fighting. But when you go into, like, a black film or a Mexican film or a native film, it's in there. So, like, if we could just... I, that was my thing. If we could have just got rid of all those scenes, I mean, it would have been a great movie. Still. Or even added some other scenes of, like, when they got along or when they were happy. Because right. yeah, it seemed exactly. like in this, like, they just made it, like, this they hated each ugly other. relationship right. right from the jump, you know? And it's like... You, any relationship is has good points too, right. and they don't even show any of that. They just show, you know, exactly. a really bad relationship. Like there was like, a reason why Rosie left just as herself with Bob on the motorcycle. It wasn't just like, oh, I like him because he's such a drunk. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only scene that I could think of that kind of made me laugh and was really cringy was when, again, this goes back to the stereotype. Bob comes back from Mexico or whatever, and he pulls up to his biker buddies. He's like hey, is anybody looking for a kilo or something like that? And then he yeah. pulls up his shirt and he's got all these oh, drugs yeah. taped around him. And then he and then he pulls some drugs out of his pants and that guy goes and kisses it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ew. And then, ew. <laughs> yeah, that was cringy. <laughs> I guess some other cringy scenes that came to mind when I was thinking about the scene 86 was Donna's dad. Like, a lot of the interactions between Richie and Donna's dad. Right. Well, they had to have that race dynamic, too, but, like, he would answer the phone, and Richie would be calling for Donna, and he'd always say, no, she's not here, and hang up, and Donna's standing right next to him. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. like, man. This, well, she's this studying. No, she, yeah. <laughs> and he even gave her one of his cars off his car lot so she wouldn't walk home with him. Or then, 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 then took it back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the real-life Donna... She said that in the movie, she's played as kind of like this real soft type of person. And she said in her, she said in real life, she was kind of a rebel and she used to jump out her window and go meet Richie at the bowling alley and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So like there was that little romance there between them, but. But they're little kids. Yeah, that's what she said. She said in this interview that people say, oh, is Richie the love of your life? And she's like. We were like 16 and 17. Right. That's that you're just kids. Who knows what, what would have happened. Again, it's kind of the white gaze thing, right? He's going to pass over someone from his own cultural background, like Rosie. He's going to pass her over and get with a, a like, white girl. Yeah. They made that like a really central part of the movie. Exactly, right. You know, like it's, all, it's almost like all, they always have to have that key element, like minority people betraying their own people. Backgrounds, right. yeah. Yeah. That's that kind of is 
a cringy, not necessarily a scene, but a, a theme that's always in these movies, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I put that as my name moment. He chooses the white girl. But <laughs> even though it happened in real life. But, <laughs> but it was the focus of the movie, yeah. Right. Even made a song. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, it's like, when Bob's at the phone booth, <laughs> he was laughing at the song. He's making fun of it. When I was younger, I used to sing that song around. And as I got older, I would say, like, I would say I was in my teens. My grandpa passed down his photo album. So he had, like, all the photo albums of all, like, the family in there. Mm-hmm. And there's a picture of him. He's sitting on this couch. It's like an old black and white film. It's kind of like a, um, like a Polaroid. And he's sitting on a couch. He's sitting there, and he has, his, like, his arm around this girl. And her legs are crossed. And you're, like, sitting really close. And I always used to wonder, like, you know, who is this girl? Like, who is... It wasn't my grandma, you know? So I was like, <laughs> why, did, why does he have a picture of this girl in here? So one day when I was, like, in my teens, I asked, you know, you know, Grandpa, who is this? Dad, who is this, you know, girl? And he goes, oh, her name's Donna. And I was like, oh, that whole entire time I would go... And then every time when I was younger, I'd be, like, singing that song. And he'd be like, go, oh, quit it now. Teasing <laughs> him. So when I got older and I realized, you know, who he was talking about, I'd sing it every now and then. I'd be like, hey, making you lonesome or what? <laughs> Just the missing her. Just, yeah, the one that got away was it's in the family photo album. <laughs> in the <laughs> no one even is. knows who she is. <laughs> one of the things I thought was interesting is that the lead character in this film, Lou Diamond Phillips, is Filipino. He's mm-hmm. not Latino. And so, isn't like, that weird? Even in a minority film, right. you can't use a Latino to play a Latino <laughs> as the main character, even. Right. Yeah. And it's not like Lou Diamond Phillips was like this big money right. actor either at the time because he was fairly unknown actor at the time, too. So, why, why did they have a Filipino actor that had to act as a Latino? You know? <laughs> and then he started going on into more Latino films. Did yeah, he? yeah, he yeah. did. He what played was that? Uh, uh, Blood In, Blood Out. Yep, he got typecasted. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he did, cause then he went. Um, what's that one with Edward James Almost where they do math? Um, oh, Stand and Deliver. Yeah, and then of course he was on Young Guns. He was Chavez. Yeah. Oh, he did. So he he played almost all. And he was just he was Latino. A yeah, Latino <laughs> characters, Latino and he's character. Filipino. Okay, so listeners out there, we are going to give a smudge bomb. <laughs> in honor of Michael J. Marin, who wrote, directed, acted in, <laughs> produced, marketed <laughs> the native horror film, The Smudging. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. <laughs> it's really good. I think you it's on hear- YouTube. Even. <laughs> you can hear our critique of it on The Red Gaze. Uh, but anyway, we got to give shout out, and we're going to give a smudge bomb. Who who needed a smudge bomb? In who this needed movie? a cleanse? You who know, needed, <laughs> who needed a deep cleanse? <laughs> I would say that guy in the beginning, the where um, Richie, the guy that played that sang for their little group. Oh, Rudy! Yeah, Rudy! Yes, he was. <laughs> Salty. Annoying. That's oh, a, yeah. That that's why I gave my sponge bomb. Silhouettes leader? Yeah. yeah. He, he was jealous. Yeah. Super jealous. <laughs> he was jelly right away. <laughs> and all the bandmates just left him, too, for Richie. Oh, yeah. When he had that choosing at that the VFW mm-hmm. club. Yeah. Well, yeah. You could see why they chose him, too. Because in that garage band, remember, he was singing 
good night. He was good night, and then he was singing that song, uh, Charlene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, he sings like me. Whoa. whoa. <laughs> it sounded like a. He was like. Ah. <laughs> yep, Rudy got my smudge bomb too. Well, I went with the. I went with the airplane. Oh, oh yeah. Richie yeah. Brown's. Yeah. They should have smudge bobbed that plane before they jumped in. <laughs> yeah. Then, then they would have made it to here. Fargo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd have to agree. Yep. Or the bus, at least. Oh. <laughs> oh so, but in the movie, it says the bus broke down. But it kept breaking down. Um, it was just the heater that broke down. So the bus really didn't break down. But nobody wanted to be cold. Well, yeah, no, it's cold up here. <laughs> yeah, you know? that is true. All those guys live in California, so yeah. it's probably really they cold. And they were in Iowa, too. Yeah. So, like, that's a long trip to be driving in a freezing <laughs> oh bus God. with no heat. Crazy. What makes you kind of wonder, too, like, what was happening with their... Um, and, of course, it was a different time back then where the money didn't flow the way that it flowed now. But right. it was like they, they had to have been making decent money. How come they didn't, like, get them a better bus or right. something? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what happened to all their money? Because I saw something that said that the family wasn't compensated the way that they should have been after Richie was gone because they released a bunch of his records, you know, like, after his death. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that the he just starting gossip here again. <laughs> I heard they didn't even pay the family <laughs> for all the music. Yeah, for all the things that came out afterwards. Is that why they so, use different music in the film? Or I don't know. Yeah, that might that might have been why. I don't know the um, Los Lobos. They used yeah. all the Los Lobos covers rather than the actual music. So I don't know. So like the, the fam- did the family get the ro- royalties from the movie? I don't know. That's what I was saying. Like this article was kind of made mention to it, and, mm-hmm. and it didn't get into details. But it just said that that they didn't that they felt like the family. Wa- oh, it was Donna actually that this article was about, mm-hmm. and she said that she felt bad because she felt like the record company didn't treat the family well. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she actually. Oh, this is another funny trivia thing that I was reading. It said that the dad, her dad, her old racist dad, made her um, pr- made her sing two records. So she put out two records after Richie's death. What the Riding heck? off um, his coattails or what? Yeah, like Damn. like it was "I'll Miss You Forever" or some kind of something like some life reference to like yeah. the song, you know, like a response to the Donna song. So she recorded these two songs, and, and her dad was really trying to capitalize on their relationship. Oh my <laughs> But he, he needs a smudge bomb. <laughs> yes, yes, let's add him to the list of smudge bombs. But anyway, so she uh, took it upon herself then to make sure that any royalties that came from those records went to the family. Right. Aww. I thought that was pretty cool. Before like digital music, all that media now, um, I remember soundtracks being a big thing. And my sister Lisa got the La Bomba soundtrack on cassette tape. <laughs> And man, I used to I used to be jealous of it. Like I was like sneak it and play it. I was like, I don't wanna hear it and why didn't I get to get a copy of this tape? But <laughs> steal it from her? Yeah, so she had the original soundtrack with but it was Lost Lobos. But mm-hmm. that makes me think I wonder if that royalties from that went to Richie Valens' family or how they did yeah. that. So Yeah. Yeah, I never knew after, you know, looking up stuff that all the songs that we listen to now that we thought were Richie, mm-hmm. they're not like none of them were. Yeah. So yeah. that's so crazy to think that. Yeah. So I went back it's and listened that, to the originals. Yeah, yeah, it's that group. It's yeah. that Los Lobos or whatever. And there another trivia. They're actually in the film itself too. 
when they go down to Tijuana and he's like yeah, going yeah. into that. Mm-hmm. That's actually Los Lobos that's playing on the on the stage there, which is kind of cool. That is cool, actually. Yeah. Well, remember, there's a part two in the movie where he meets Bobo, the producer. And he's oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah, I know. I've worked with Mexicans before. I know how you guys are. Oh, really? Change the lyrics. Yeah, change change the lyrics. And he's like, I never even been to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Just trying to stereotype him right away. Yeah, I know. Right it's like away. saying, I know how you wrestlers are. Yeah. <laughs> never show up on time. <laughs> And here I'm just punctual. <laughs> the lies. <laughs> Get her a smudge bomb. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna thank Michael J. Marin for his smudge bombs and uh, any other smudge bombs. We need to <laughs> in, re- in reality, though, it's it's Bob. <laughs> oh yeah, Bob needs a good one. Yeah, yeah, Bob needs. Bob to needs smudged. to be smudged. <laughs> Anything else we want to mention about this movie, this Star Quilt movie? Not my Richie. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, if you haven't seen it, iconic. if you haven't seen it by now, you definitely need to see it because it's a classic. Yeah. The music is good. Like the acting is really good. It's it's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. So definitely deserves a star quote. Like Lou Diamond Phillips said, we don't have enough producers that understand the minority experience in America. They always go to the same things: violence, drugs, and sensationalism thinking that's what's going to sell. It's the quiet human story that connects. That's what we're saying, why we like that movie is because that, that was a big part of it. It was the family dynamic. Right. Why a lot of people like it is because of the human relationship. The the executive producers or whatever were trying to muck it up by making it about you know him being right. gay and playing up Bob's thing. And, and it wasn't really about that. It was about their love for each other and support for each other. And mm-hmm. So, I, I mean... It's part of what we talk about here on The Red Gaze is like, let's let, make more films like that. Make more films about those relationships and the human element rather than all this sensationalism that they do. Yeah, because like, I don't think I enjoy movies where I have, personally, I if I don't have like a, an emotional connection with any of the characters, then I tend to care less about what goes on or what happens to them. But the more connected and involved you get into their lives and you can like feel more related to the story or like you feel like you know you feel something and when you feel something then you can like genuinely like love the movie because you're like oh man you know that's something that would have you know could have happened in my family or yeah so like i just think it has to do with a lot with the connection yeah like like in this movie i just want to like protect richie you know i want him to do good you know and it's sad because it's a true story and Mm -hmm. you know what happens at the end (laughs) and you can't change the ending i know right like your little nephew you know you see the one your one favorite nephew or niece and you're like oh i don't want you know i want him to be good and then you finally you you know comes to like they come a teenager and they get their first mugshot and you're like no So we're going to end our podcast today in the only possible way we could end a podcast about La Bamba. Three, two, one. Richie! (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening about our Star Quilt film, La Bamba, today. If you haven't seen the film, definitely go see the film. This is where we're all, yeah, we're all giving it a a satin star quilt. So, yeah. And thanks for joining us. Remember to listen to the Red Gaze wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Spotify, iTunes. Go download.
down the we're on uh, local radio access 102.5 fm kdak radio listen to us locally as well wherever you get your pods just listen to the red gaze we'll be here bye bye flutes and feathers eagles cry no more saviors no more lies waiting for better days we'll be here with our red gaze hey oh